HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. This is Mike Edison, host of Art Senses of Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes.
All right. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. Darren Bresnitz is on his way back to New York uh, shortly before he leaves us for good for L.A. Uh, that was just Brianna Morella, uh, who will be playing live later in studio. We're excited for that. But on this rainy, the rain finally came. It's been threatening all weekend. Um, we have Sarah Simmons back in the seat. Sarah, welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Thank you so much. Good to see you. Sister from another mister. Does that work? Yeah, absolutely. Some, finally. Something like that. <laughs> something like that. Uh, well, welcome. Thank you. Um, it's been a while since we've seen you on here. We've seen you around, but yeah, a little bit. Like a year. Yeah. How's the last year been? Anything exciting happened? Nothing much. Just um, opened a new restaurant. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Right? Yeah. God, I really got to get the word out. You really got to get the word out. Um, I remember when I ran into you and said, I'm going to open up a fried chicken and champagne restaurant. And I said, just tell me when. Yeah. Just tell me when. And wait, you still haven't been. I know. Well, I've been sick. (laughs) I I know, I know. For a year. (laughs) Does that work? Liar. I know. Um, But I'll be coming in this, and you'll be doing our barbecue. Yes. On June 9th. Can't wait. Do you know what you're going to... What you're going to cook? I'm going to do some sort of chicken wing. Okay. But I'm doing, I think the next five nights at Birds and Bubbles, we're going to have a surprise chicken wing as part of the tasting. So I'm going to try to play around with some sauces and spices and figure out exactly what I'm going to do. What what goes into a good chicken wing? I think it's all about the seasoning on it. And then less really about how you cook it, whether you fry it or you bake it. And more about how you finish it so if it's the sauce has to not be too wet to where it makes the you know perfect skin soggy mm. and sauce is i think the most important thing in any food yeah it happens to be my favorite food so sauce is your favorite food sauce is my favorite food interesting i don't know if i've ever heard anyone claim sauce as a favorite i mean not for maybe it's tomato sauce what yeah that? oh okay um all right. Okay. Any particular sauce that you don't have to give me a, your favorite because I don't want you to choose, but like somewhere in the top three, what's your favorite sauce? Yeah. Well, we have this spicy sorghum mustard that we serve with our chicken tenders during brunch, and it is definitely in the top five of my favorite sauces. Like in the sense, like if I were to come back, we might catch you with like a spoon in your mouth or just like dipping into the sauce. Or maybe I order things or eat things that I don't even want just so I can eat the sauce. And do you like do you like like add extra sauce? Always. Yeah, yeah. always. I'm a, I love sauce. Okay. I mean, things have been going really well at the restaurant. They have been. It's been, it's been great to, to follow. Thank and you. And summer is here. Summer is here. So how is uh, the menu going to mix up from, uh, from winter to summer? Well, I am probably 70% done with changing the menu out um, for spring vegetables and all the amazing things in the market. You know, the root vegetables are gone from the menu. Besides the potatoes, which will always make an appearance. Which root vegetable are you saddest to say goodbye to? Brussels sprouts. I really was in love with the Brussels sprouts dish we had this winter. And, you know, this isn't a root vegetable, but collard greens are really, they have my heart. That's only for the winter? You can't do it year-round? You could. (laughs) You look pained. No one can see this, but she looks pained right now. (laughs) (laughs) You could do them, I guess. But yeah. the thing about collards is that they're better when it's cold. You know, collards taste better after the first frost because there's just something. I don't know. I should probably look this up. There's probably something chemical that happens when they're frozen and then they thaw and they they just change flavor. Like every night freezing and then thawing? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah. All right. I'm going to say parsnips. I'm going to be sad that those. I'm not a fan. Not Do a not fan? love a parsnip. Really? Yes. I don't know. I'd like, like a parsnip like puree or roast chicken. So many people are parsnip fans. Because they're sweet and they're they're kind of like I feel like they're easy to cook. But if you bring a parsnip to like a a, a party before you cook it, you look really like like you know what you're doing exactly because they're like they're kind of you just they're like any other squash more squash ish vegetable. Have you ever eaten a parsnip the next day, reheated? No, because I cook such as parsnips, they're always gone. See, that is amazing, and probably I would like them more if I never had to have one reheated. I, There's something about it that is so off-putting that I can't even think about eating them the first time. Really? Yeah. I've, yeah, I guess I've never had, or I've always had them in like a root vegetable medley, if you will. Right. And then because so people are trying to hide their flavor. <laughs> <laughs> the parsnip growers of America are pissed right now. <laughs> right. They're really angry. All right, so the root vegetables are gone, What's, and the spring vegetables are coming in. What else is coming in? The fava beans we have an amazing salad that is just features spring vegetables and favas make a huge appearance there and then we have a fava bean gratin that is Mm. um, mushrooms that have been thinly sliced and braised in soy um, some charred leeks with a miso cream and then mixed with the favas and then baked with a biscuit gremolata and it is I That's, think my favorite dish on the menu right now. That sounds amazing. Thanks. I mean, is it, and how long is this going to sit before, like, is there going to be like a summer, summer or menu or is this like spring into summer and we just. So we're going to go like the fava gratin will come off eventually. The ramp tart because ramps, ramps, ramps. Everyone loves ramps. Everyone loves ramps. Um, my we'll friend go. went to a ramp festival up in Hudson. No it was way. Like all ramp all weekend. Two days of, of ramp. Two ramp. <laughs> two ramp days. <laughs> it, was, it was ramped up. Yeah, it was really ramped up. Yeah. I was trying to make that joke. Yeah, damn it. Um, that's why we make such, That's why mm-hmm. we're brother and sister. I know. Compliment each other. I, I know, know what you were thinking. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the ram tart will move into the tomato pie. Mm. The fava bean will go away. We'll have a carrot salad back on the menu, and then I'm going to change the slaw a little bit and do something different with it. That's a little more refreshing for summer. Um, but mo- mostly the dishes will rotate. We're about to take the chicken and rice off the menu, and then we're going to do a blackened chicken over a grilled romaine with an anchovy vinaigrette and some schmaltz oh. toasted croutons. Oh. Are you ready for the riot when the thing comes up when it comes off the menu? Um, I thought that no one would riot until the other night when we had 17 orders of them in one <laughs> night and I think that the servers just were giving people a heads up that it was going but who really wants to eat hot chicken and rice in the middle of the summer I don't know I'm the type of person that will drink hof- hot coffee in August yeah like I'll have like an iced coffee once a summer on like the hottest day mm-hmm. just because it's cold but uh, you know yeah the temper like the the temperature of a dish doesn't seem to bother me yeah, I'm really, I don't know. We'll see. No one ordered soups when we opened, and I thought that people would still like want a, you know, a light soup. Yeah. So we moved all to cold soups. Um, if that were the case and people would order soup, I would have kept the gumbo on. Got it. Because it's my favorite dish. And then since it's birds and bubbles. Yes. What bubbles are coming in for the, for the summer? I'm not sure. It's not my... It's not my jam. It's, it's not Ariel RC, our beverage director, and my better half is in charge of the beverage program. And so she is bringing new stuff in every two or three weeks. We change the wine list frequently. 
specifically the by the glass list. And I mean, and the biggest thing that happened is your backyard's open. Yes. I mean, I was there for the Tabasco party, which right. was kind of wild. I sold the spoon because I taste. I have t- the spoon too. Yeah. T- you, if you taste the mash, you get a spoon. I don't know why you get a spoon, but. I think we use that spoon to taste it. Yeah, and, and then they, you're forever able to remember that experience. Comes on a nice chain. Yeah, it's like around. a necklace. It's like a necklace. Um, but it's great. So now the, the backyard is open. It is. And it changes the entire dynamic of the restaurant. We have 44 seats inside and 36 seats outside. So it almost doubles the size of the restaurant, which is awesome. What is your like mental game plan for you know nearly doubling the size? Like, How do you pr- prepare for that? You know, I thought it would be hard to the cooks would have a hard time adjusting. But what I re- realized is that during the winter, even when we would turn their restaurant three times, you know, on the weekends, they still weren't pushed to capacity because they could, you know, do many more covers. So I think they're grateful for it because it makes the night go faster. You know, they feel busy. They feel accomplished. They really love to put out food and they get to put out more of it. So I've been pleasantly surprised. It's really the moving about the space that's different. You go from having, you know, two rooms to four rooms and we have a, a small kitchen and a small service area area so do you feel like the energy picks up too absolutely Hmm. yes um so we're gonna take a quick musical break and then we're gonna talk about late night menu cooking for oprah and the uh the you're getting fried chicken
Back with Sarah Simmons from Birds and Bubbles. Yes. I just like seeing you across the table for me. I know. Maybe when Darren's gone, you can just... Let's do this show together. Let's do this. You don't need to be there on Sundays. Right. Let's yeah. hope that. Yeah, let's case. hope that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's just talk about it. Oprah. Yeah. Just start us... Just take us to the beginning. How does this happen? So we get an email from someone from O Magazine that says, we're having a lunch. We would like for you to cook this lunch. And so I'm like, okay, well, what do they want? And they wanted some... A pretty extensive menu. The, the chicken, I'm really funny about the chicken because I want the chicken to be super perfect. Obviously, it's our flagship dish on the menu. Um, and it's really hard sometimes to take that off site. And all the dishes they wanted were dishes that needed to be hot and they had no kitchen. And, you know, I said, I don't know if we can pull this off. And so I'm walking to work a couple days later and Sam Schumann, our marketing and events director calls me and is like so I just got off the phone with Gail King and Oprah's gonna be there so we got to do it and I said okay we're doing it and so we put together a menu that we thought would work and make them happy let me pause you for one second what is the dilemma as a chef um, where you want to balance where it's like obviously the opportunity but if your food is not presented in its best like how do you balance that or the the decision that you like are kind of running through your head, the pros and cons. I mean, if we could not have come up and agreed upon a menu that I thought would work in an office building, mm-hmm. I would have not done it because I don't want the chance to cook for Oprah to be a failure because my food isn't what it should be because of travel time or the inability to put out a great product. Right. Um, but it all ended up working out, even though it was the most stressful day I've had in a really long time. What was the menu? We did fried chicken and our pineapple casserole and potato salad, slaw, biscuits, deviled eggs, sweet tea. I feel like I'm missing something. Um, but a pretty you know, large menu for 100 people. Mm. Um, and it was one of those days where everything went wrong and we were late getting there because of traffic. And then we couldn't get up the service elevator. And so I was scrambling to get out food for a hundred people. And one of those people was Oprah, which was terrifying and awesome. Did you get to meet her? I did. And best part, she actually said birds and bubbles. Amazing. It was was amazing. It was worth all of it. So then you you shut down the restaurant and you said, I've I've made it. (laughs) I dropped the mic and just walked out. Um, No, ironically that, night we got back to the restaurant just as lineup was happening i ran in the door i had to work the line that night the dishwasher didn't show up so we ended up staying really late and washing every dish in the restaurant and it was in the cab on the way home at two in the morning i was so tired and then i was like oh my god i met oprah today (laughs) that was so cool and then just realized kind of like how big of a deal it was it's amazing but i was so drained emotionally from right afterwards and then had to go like right into cook mode and put out you know 250 plates of food it's kind of amazing when like you get to these things and like when your like success moment comes like 2 a.m in the back of a cab or in bed the next day or mm-hmm. just like you had a quiet moment like you know in the last you know 20 minutes maybe 24 hours and yeah you just gotta get back to it and then you're like oh wait i'm a normal person because i just washed every dish in my restaurant yeah <laughs> yeah but it balances yes it does it makes it okay yeah uh so also um you have a late night menu we do which is amazing and what what happens to be on that well the things that i want to eat late night so 
queso. Just sauce. It's <laughs> all sauce. It's a cup of sauce. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, you know, we have a beet burger on the menu that I think is one of the best things. We serve it at brunch and then late night. Um, we have our crispy potatoes, which is a fan favorite. And then as a southerner, I really miss queso, like the white cheese dip with the pickled jalapenos. Mm-hmm. And when I moved to New York, I searched high and low for for it. I couldn't find it. And then, you know, people would put this like Velveeta business in front of me. I'm like, no, that's not queso. Um, so I was like, well, I'm going to make it. And so we make it in-house every week and we serve it with pita chips that we deep fry and toss in Creole seasoning. And it is one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. That sounds incredible. So we've got the barbecue coming up on June 9th. Any Anything surprise we might have besides wings or any tips you should give to people? Just come hungry. Yeah. And ready for some amazing wings. TBD. And some, <laughs> TBD. we're going to do some salads, some cold salads. Will you text me this week on like your wing experiments to see like... Yes. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll post it to the Birds and Bubbles Instagram. The okay. progression of... Is it just... And what's the Instagram handle? Birds and Bubbles. Bir- yeah. All one word. And is spelled out or ampersand? And is spelled out. And is spelled out. Uh, yeah. So we still have tickets for sale. If you go to eventbrite.com, um, you get a plate of food, shot of Jameson, Brooklyn beer for 10 bucks. Pretty good. So that's a deal. That's a really big deal. Uh, well, Sarah, thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me.
Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Hi. A fellow Northwesterner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm like a fish. I went to school there. <laughs> so, but formative years? No, that counts. That's yeah. important. I can talk about rain. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, which, yeah, we were talking earlier. Does this rain bring you back home a little bit? Yeah, though I, I kind of feel like it hasn't been as rainy in recent years. I don't know. Climate change, maybe? Yeah, that's <laughs> what I, I mean, that's what people have told me that, like, Portland's, like, not... I went to school in the University of Oregon, but Portland's not as rainy. And I like almost, if you believe that, then you're just like one step closer to going. Yeah. Going back. But are you like, like everybody I know from the Northwest, like how, like what are your thoughts on rain? Like, does it bother you? Do you love it? Does it? I mean, I kind of love it, but I also love the sun and warmth and, and, you know, but rain is important for plants to grow. Yeah. I mean, but you're from Seattle, which gets like the most rain and like the most, the least amount of sunshine. I mean, I don't know. I find that hard to believe. I feel like they must rain other places more. Uh, from Northwest, though? I feel like Seattle gets it, like... I'm, I lived there for a summer, and I think I had, like, six weeks of summer, and then it was fall, like, very, like, like end of <laughs> August, early September. I was like, oh, it's time to break out the jackets. And uh, well, pants. fall is my favorite season, so maybe I just don't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, all right, summer, that's uh, we're good. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Come on, that's good. Let's get some flannels out. Let's get some long sleeves out. Totally. So welcome to town. Thank you. I know you just got here. Where are you coming from? Seattle. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How's home? Great. Yeah. It's doing good. How does uh, coming from Seattle influence the, the songs you write in your music? Um, I mean, I guess not like, I don't really write about like place, you know, in my songs. I feel like they're all like very like about relationships with people and, um, I also lived in Olympia for five years for going to school, so that was like my formative kind oh, okay. of years, like where I feel like I really became who I am, the person I am. Today. What, are, what is a, like a good formative lesson you learned from Olympia? From Olympia, yeah, that you should be as weird as you want to be, because I think <laughs> growing up in <laughs> Seattle, I felt like 
I couldn't be like my real self or something. And then once I went moved to Olympia, I was like, oh my gosh, here's all these people who are like me and like are total weirdos and like there's even really much weirder people than me there. Were you ever like <laughs> like okay you're a little too weird like you're a little too out there for me? No, I love weirdos. Please give, <laughs> give me more. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've always felt that way with Seattle. There's certain airs about it, but you no. Know, Olympia, all the people from there are totally great, amazing <laughs> out there. Any favorite weirdos or favorite weirdo moment? Um, well, there's this really cool crew of people that um, live in Olympia that are kind of like these goblins. Like they, or like they kind of like go by that premise of like they're just like these people they're not like really a collective per se but i feel like they all just like make really cool art and music and stuff and like this summer they're gonna have um the second goblin fest uh what happens at goblin fest um well their house is like out in the woods by evergreen the college Mm -hmm. and um everybody will just camp out and like stay up really late and like people will play music and um then like a dance party and just like kind of forest party show it's awesome did you start or when did you start writing music or kind of the music that you're performing now? Um, I guess I started writing these songs in like, or like this kind of style of music in 2010. Were you still in Olympia? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, what's the music scene like uh, in Olympia when you're starting to write? Um, it's a little bit, it's more varied than you might think it is. There's like definitely a, like the cool punks that live in Olympia that make like really amazing punk music, but I'm sadly not a cool punk um (laughs) i i think i hung out more with like the crew of people that just making music kind of from their heart and like someone like there's like k records in olympia Mm -hmm. there's like a i love all those people and like really cool crew of just like you know indie rock like indie pop folk stuff I'd never heard of k-records until i moved to the northwest and then was introduced to it at the radio station that i was at where i met hannah who's here today as well. Just looking at you, Hannah. Hi, Hannah. And also, (laughs) you know, got more into sub pop and K records and like the Northwest sound. So big love to K records. Yeah. They've definitely cultivated like a big part of like the Northwest sound to me. And just like, it was really influential for me when I was younger. Any bands, particularly from K records? I mean, I loved Mira as who doesn't. I mean, (laughs) I still remember, uh, when I had my college radio show at 8 a.m. and uh, advisory committee had just like come out and I like just played the first track off of it and just staring at the speakers <laughs> um, when Cold Cold Water came out and being like, what? Like, not knowing the Northwest sound and mm-hmm. being like, what is this magic of, <laughs> of the song and then record that got like burned into my memory? Definitely. Yeah. I also really love Carl Blau, who is, has released a bunch of stuff on K. Have you heard of him before? Mm-mm. He's really great. Okay, we're going to pause the show so I can listen to it. <laughs> um, okay, right do, you want, do you want to play a song for us? Um, sure. Okay, yeah. what's the name of the song you're going to play? Um, I'm going to play First Surrender, which okay. is what started off the top of the show. Wonderful. So. <laughs> okay, uh, live on Second Tunes. <laughs>
Stunning. Really beautiful. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned earlier that your kind of inspiration comes from the people around you. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Um, I guess, I mean, a lot of my songs are kind of just like figuring out how to like navigate, um, oops, the mic stand just <laughs> fell on the keyboard. Ominous. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what's that sound? Um, <laughs> uh, I guess just like they're about like figuring out relationships with people, whether or not it's like friends or like loved ones and um, I don't know. I feel like that's something I'm always kind of trying to figure out and like learn how to like be a better friend and like be a better lover, be, you know, a better person. Any tips for being a better friend? Um, I think one of the best things I try and do is just really listen to people. I think that's like the best thing you can do really. And how do like those lessons about being a better friend and being a lover, like where does, how does that pull into the lyrics and how does that shape the, shape the songs? Um, I guess for this song in particular, it's kind of about like the feelings of being confused in a relationship and how you can just be confused. And I don't know, when you're confused in a relationship, you're not like really all there. You know, you're not really giving your whole self to them, even though you might want to just because you're just like not sure whether you should be in it or something. Mm -hmm. And do playing these songs like bring you back to those uh, emotions or do you found that things that you wrote? have taken on kind of maybe different shapes or meaning for yourself as like you evolve and the songs are kind of set in place Ooh, that's a really good question i mean i guess that for me they're kind of like healing or like therapy like once i write something out i feel like lifted from that like strife or like from that like emotional like hurt or whatever i just feel like oh i feel so much better that i like got this out of me like the, the songs don't pull off like a, a scab or like an old wound not really. I think I think they become yeah their own thing, and then just kind of like a a picture book of my life. Like oh, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that pain. <laughs> Conquered that <laughs> in three and a half minutes. <laughs> um, have you played the songs like for the people that inspired them? Yeah, and that's a really important thing for me too. Is just to be able to play the songs I've written about people for them and. They always really like them. So. Is the setting like one-on-one like we are now, like across from each other, like this song is about you? And it, just <laughs> it has been sometimes. Sometimes I've just like played a song right only for that person and sometimes it's like intense, but it just like feels really good. And like the people that I've written songs about always, I don't know, feel really attached to the song that's about them. I mean, I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, I still think it's like not everybody gets songs written about them. <laughs> Um, and do they feel like, uh, like I didn't know you felt that way, or does it like ever spark a conversation afterwards? Or do they just sit there and sob? <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes <laughs> there's crying involved. But, uh... That's how you made me feel. <laughs> do you like it? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> um, I forgot what your question was. Oh, I, I said, does it ever spark conversation afterwards? Or Oh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, sometimes, but most of the time it's just like, thank you, or, like, there's a song on my new album that's named after one of my best friends, Danny, and um, the song was, like, trying to, like, help her, like, through a hard time, and she just, like, will still listen to it when she's, like, feeling sad or, like, bad, and it just, like, makes her feel better, I hope. <laughs> I mean, that's an amazing gift to give to somebody, just, like, uh, your own personal anthem that yeah. gets released on a record label. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, most people are like, I think that's that song's about me. It's like, no, that song is actually about me. I'm in the title. Yeah, I've never <laughs> written a song about someone that like had their name in the title and I kind of felt like scared of 
like whether how she would react to it and she was like no do it go for it like i'm not embarrassed like i love it oh is it like per- personally about like does it kind of lay bare the strife that she's going th- through yeah it's like oh. very it's pretty laid bare <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's or like in no- my in my way of being uh <laughs> I feel like it's not vague to me, but like maybe to other people who don't know. Right. Or people come up to her and it's like, Danny, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I got that. Re- love the record. I'm so sorry, Danny. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like it was all in the past and stuff. So. Yeah. Um, do you want to play another song? Yeah, sure. Uh, what are you going to play? Um, the song's called I Don't Belong to You. Okay. Great. I don't belong to you. I don't belong to you. Oh, oh. I don't belong to you. Oh, oh. I don't belong to you. Oh, oh. I don't belong to you. It's I don't belong to you. It's I don't belong to you. 
So nice. Hi. Sorry. Hi. No, no Hi. problem. It's internet radio. We can have pause all the time. You can hear the background Roberta's in there. I wonder if people could hear the rain at any point. I don't know if you can hear the rain. I know you can kind of hear like the low din of like people eating. Mm-hmm. I think the rain is just kind of for us. <laughs> oh, first. Yeah, we can share. Rain yeah, show. Private, <laughs> private rain show. Um, so your new record, uh, All Around Us, coming out on Jag Jaguar, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite record labels from like college days too. I didn't know it until I got to <laughs> KWA. Um, took you to Iceland. How did that happen? Um, well, I had gotten an email from this person named Alex who lives there, and that I got an email from him in late 2012, actually. So it's kind of a long time ago, and we talked for like a year, and he was like, you should come to Iceland and record with me. So, <laughs> Just like that? Yeah. How did, did he just email? Did he hear your earlier work, or how did he hear about you? Yeah, he had heard my music through one of his best friends that lives in Providence, and my sister and I were on a tour together in 2012, and he just his best friend just happened to be at the show because he had art up in the gallery that we played at. So. Mm. Uh, did you play with your sister? Does your sister do her own solo music? Um, she does make music on her own. She doesn't like, you know, hasn't been doing it like as long as I have, mm-hmm. but. Um, it was like her first time being on tour and she was just like backing me up on my songs and it was really awesome to have her. That's, was it just the two of you? Yeah. That's in a car? Yeah. It was really fun. It was like a lot of sister bonding. There were some fights, you know, but uh, <laughs> how could there not be with your sister? <laughs> Darren, Darren and I took a road trip across Canada before and it was great except for the, the fights are like insanely epic. They were epic, but then there was also so much love that yeah. was, you know. But the fights with family are usually like just like <laughs> blood curdling and then it's like a few minutes later you're just like, you want to get a sandwich or something? Yeah, it's like, well, do you want to go get some ice cream yeah. yeah and you're just like okay fine no, or it's like yeah okay fine but if anyone had seen it before you're like I think they might murder I think I think one of them is not going to make it out of this yeah. um, I think you can hear the thunder now that's yeah, pretty that is, that is thunder and lightning um, so you know the record comes out this summer do you have plans for tour what's, what's your what's your plan for summer yeah I'm well I'm really excited actually I'm going to be going on tour with Jenny Haval like opening Amazing. for her yeah I Fantastic. know it's such a dream that's awesome in late August through September, so. Is it out? And where is it going to take you? I, it's like a full U.S. tour, just oh. dabbling around the exterior of the states mostly. No interior. Not really. A lot of people were bummed. I was in Colorado not that long ago, and people were like, "You're not playing in Denver? Like, why?" Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Are you going to make it like all like the perimeter of the? Is there anywhere in particular you haven't been before you're excited to go to? Um, I've never been to Atlanta, and oh. Atlanta. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard cool things about Atlanta. So. Atlanta is great. Do you, when you travel along the road, do you make time to like at least do like one thing in the city? Do you, or do you? Oh, well, I mean, I don't know if I'll be able to on this tour as much. But when my sister and I went, it was like a very leisurely tour. Like we made sure we like could do lots of different things and like really see a place and like get to know like a city for like a day or two before leaving. What city did you feel like most connected to? Um, I don't know. It's hard. I really loved Providence. I also really liked Baltimore. I thought it was a cool place. Um, yeah, I can agree with you in Providence. <laughs> Baltimore, I was dragged there a bunch when I was a kid with my parents, so it has, like, mixed, like, really? forced trips. I guess maybe if I would explore it as a dope, but Providence is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I just really met really amazing people there that I liked, so. Awesome. Um, well, I want to make sure we have time for one more song, but um, where can people find you? Where can they pre-order the record? How can they yell at you for not coming to Denver? <laughs> um, well, there's... 
the Jag Jaguar site. Always. Of course. Of course. Um, I have a website that's my name.com. Brianna Morella.com. <laughs> not your, not my name.com. <laughs> it's my name.com. <laughs> Isn't there like a thing if like you say uh, a website that like on like public broadcasts that you have to make it or something? No way. I thought that was maybe like a rule. That has got to be the hardest rule to like. <laughs> and what's and what's the penalty if you don't make it? I don't know if there's a penalty. <laughs> maybe someone was just tricking me. I'm kind of yeah. gullible. Maybe the go- maybe the was it the goblins? Did the goblins put you up to this? They might have. They're yeah. tricky. Yeah. <laughs> they are mythical creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so your website and then Instagram, Twitter. Oh yeah, I have an Instagram. It's also just my name. I don't know. I'm bad at com- I would have had like a band name if I could have thought of a band name I liked, but. For, I mean, name, naming stuff is so hard. I'm really bad at it. I mean, I want to make you feel not so alone. Naming stuff is hard. Thank you. Don't feel ashamed about it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I feel better. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you to Sarah Simmons as well. Um, make sure to come to our barbecue blowout on June 9th. Um, we have also DJ Sweet Pea and the Domino Record DJs who will be there. Um, you can go to uh, BBQ Blowout June2015.eventbrite.com for tickets. Uh, 10 bucks gets you plate of food, plate of wings and sauce, a shot of Jameson, and a Brooklyn Brewery lager. So uh, make sure to get the tickets sold out last time. So uh, go and grab it. And uh, yeah, what are you going to take us out with? Um, This song is called Follow It, and it's the first song on the new album. Amazing. We will be off next week, and then we'll be back in a couple weeks for Darren's last East Coast show before he goes to L.A. like a jerk. (laughs) I'll miss him. Yeah. It's hard to say goodbye to friends. And brothers. Yeah. Okay. Take us out. Okay.
Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.